At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. Powered by Overtime Media, I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me today is my special guest. You know him and love him as the senior draft analyst at milehighhuddle.com. He is Eric Trickle. Eric, how you been, dude? It's been a while since we've had you on the pod, about maybe somewhere close to draft time, but how you been, brother? I've been really good. Been tired up here in Alaska. There's a really bad fire going on, which the air is filled with smoke from that and the smell. Not and it's not going on too far from where I'm from, and just been getting everything ready for the summer. I just had my first one year anniversary. My daughter's birthday's here and coming up soon. My nephew's birthday is the day after we're recording this, and just a lot going on. <laughs> a lot going on. End of July, end of June is very busy. Yeah, well, congrats on uh, on your anniversary, man. That's that's a cool feat. It's not easy. It's great being married. Is great. I love being married, but at the same time. You know, if if a, if a couple can stay together for the first year, that's awesome. That's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work. And, I mean, I wasn't thinking that it'd be easy after living with her for so long beforehand. But uh, I figured it'd be a little bit easier. But there's definitely some bumps. But uh, yeah. having, lived with, having lived with her for so long, we were able to just work through everything. That's good. That's good. So being up in Alaska, one, one other quick personal question. It's not personal, personal, but to your situation – this time of year, here we are, sit, we're recording this the evening of June 25th. How much daylight are you guys getting on a day-to-day basis? How much daylight, or actually, let's put it this way. Are you getting any darkness in a 24-hour period right now? It depends on what you mean by darkness. Like, where do you have a hard time seeing anything? We get maybe an hour. Mm. But other than that, there's what would be like a 6 to 10 p.m. for you is basically what we get from besides what one to two is typically about words dark mm. and then about four hours before that and four hours after that it's typically it's it's light enough to be outside and mm. do things without needing much light because yeah. there isn't that much but it's not dark i always think of that movie 
Insomnia with Robin Williams and I think it was Al Pacino, where yeah. Pacino's an, uh, a detective like from California that's somehow been tasked with trying to track down a ser- serial killer that they think is up in Alaska or something. And, you know, it's a super like psychological thriller type movie. And of course, Pacino's character is extremely like compromised by the, the constant daylight, you know, and like it screws up his his internal clock and then that starts screwing with his head because he's not sleeping and it's an older <laughs> movie but it's a great movie yeah it is it's a really good one and uh, we definitely have those issues going from i mean it's nice because it eases up to it but i'm definitely i'm having a lot of trouble sleeping just because with where our bed sets and everything and the sun right when i'm going to bed the sun is right in my eyes hmm. so i gotta sit there and deal with that so I'm, i haven't been getting much sleep but i've been getting enough yeah well, today, what we're going to do with Zach on Vacation is Eric published, actually on Tuesday, a phenomenal article, basically going position by position, grading the Broncos' depth charts, right? And the last time Zach and I broke down one of Eric's articles, I think it was right at the end of minicamp, you published that 10 you know, studs, 5 duds from minicamp, and Zach and I went through on one of the podcast episodes that week and analyzed that and just kind of riffed off it to figure out what's what. And we got some comments from our awesome listeners. Why didn't you have Eric on to defend himself? Not like we were ripping you or anything, but, <laughs> you know. So here we are, and that's what we're going to do today is he published this great article, and we're going to go through each position group and break them down. But first, just a couple of quick reminders. Make sure you guys are following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. If you're on iTunes, we appreciate a, a review and, and a five-star rating. And then YouTube, you guys are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing, liking, commenting, engaging, sharing these podcasts out to the World Wide Web and as much of Broncos country as possible. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner all right again eric this is a great article phenomenal piece it did really really well traffic wise on tuesday in fact as of the recording of this this podcast it's still chugging along getting getting a lot of people reading it and so kudos on that but there's a few grades on here i'll i'll go through on, on, on the ones that i disagree in any meaningful way i'll address it but i know there's a couple grades on here that might surprise people and so it's going to be fun to kind of go through this and kind of explain before we dive in here, Eric, you, you know, on the intro of your article, you kind of explain how you're, what factors you're putting into this to de- determine the grade, but kind of explain how you formulate your grades for, for this particular article. Basically what I was doing, at, I was looking at each player for each position. And for a couple of positions, it was actually a little bit difficult because there's so many hybrid players on this roster. 
But I was looking at the first first big thing was the health of the player. Are they coming off a seri- serious injury? And how have they been able to stay on the field? And that's one of the biggest things. And then past, for, past performance was the other big thing that I was looking at. How have, When they've been on the field in previous years, how have they been performing? Has it been good? Has it been bad? For younger players, it's have they shown growth? I mean, second-year players, not so much because – we only have their rookie year to, as an example, but for like third and fourth and fifth year players, guys entering their final contracts, Garrett Bowles, guys like that. It's have we shown growth? Are they on that upward trend? Have they been kind of stagnant? Things like that. And basically, I just kind of graded it kind of how a teacher grades homework. I started off with at 100 points. I deducted points for certain aspects, added points for others. And then I just took the average of basically everybody's for that position and came out to the grade. Very cool. Very cool. Very analytical. Let's start with the one everyone wants to hear about first, which is the quarterbacks. Now, I've I've talked about on the podcast, I've written about it quite a bit, that compared to last year and really the previous three years, the Broncos on paper have upgraded the quarterback position. Now, that's a relative term, right, to say they upgraded because the quarterback position, let's face it, in Denver has been atrocious since Peyton Manning retired. So even though it's encouraging, you've got a proven you know, quarterback or at least a veteran that started for 10 years in the NFL now, um, not Case Keenum, one-year wonder, flash in the pan, but rather Joe Flacco, who, although he doesn't have the crazy accolades in, of Pro Bowls and All-Pros, he's been a, a steady starter, let's put it that way, since 2008, basically. And even last year, before he injured his hip, you know, his the nine games he started, he, he was on pace to have one of his best statistical seasons. And we can all remember how well that Ravens offense was doing in the red zone, especially. You got him coming in. Then, of course, the exciting young player, the Broncos, take Drew Locke, who I would have been fine with them taking him at 10. And they end up getting him at 42. And then to kind of sweeten the pot is Brett Rippon, who I know, Eric, you you thought he was probably going to go somewhere in the mid-rounds, if I remember right. He ends up going undrafted. Broncos sign him as a priority free agent. And then, of course, Kevin Hogan. So that rounds out the group. You've given them, as a group, a B-. minus. Explain your overall analysis there. Basically, it just comes down to the lack of certain depth here. You have two rookies in Rippon and Locke, both of whom can either be great players or they could be bombs. We just don't know yet. That was a huge question mark. And for the depth part of my grade, that was a huge deduction for it just because we don't know what they're at. I mean, we've gotten word through mini camps and practices and stuff like that, OTAs, but until we see them in a game, we just don't know. And then Kevin Hogan, I'm not a big fan of his. I don't think he's that good. I don't think that I don't think he should anyway stick around on this roster for this year. And so that kind of was a deduction. Joe Flacco was the only saving grace. And even he, even he had his concerns. He has had that injury last year. And his play, while it's been solid, it hasn't been great. And last year he was on a good pace, but I do think he is an upgrade over Keenum as well. But it just comes down to is that there's always times where he seems to not always rise to the moment. I mean, we know he does it in the playoffs. He's what, 10 and five in the playoffs or something like that. Yeah. But in the regular season, there's times where games on the line and he just falters. He makes a lot of mental mistakes, things like that. And so, well, he does save the grade. It, 
wasn't just enough to get him just quite over that hump. If I remember right, it was just right at that border of a B minus to a B. Hmm. I don't disagree with it. I mean, I think if you were to grade the Broncos quarterback situation in a vacuum, B minus, I mean, it might not be Patrick Mahomes, but a B minus is still a higher than average grade in terms of, we know, season average grade. So it's slightly, and I think that's fair, you know, to say that the Broncos quarterback room as it stands today, we can't really go off potential as far as Drew Locke. We kind of have to go on what we know today. I think that's fair to say it's a slightly above average quarterback room today. Now, as more information comes in in terms of their playing time and and sample size, obviously, you know, a year from now we're going to have a different evaluation or and you're going to have a different evaluation, Eric, on what these grades are and how these quarterbacks grade out, but I've I've been talking a lot. I don't know how much you've been listening, but I've been talking a lot lately about how I think this offense has the chance to be sneaky good. And even Vic Fangio, actually, now that I think about it, I remember him saying that um, at some point in the spring that, you know, I think this offense, we're going to surprise some people. And so I think, um, you know, you factor in the emotional component, Eric, of a former Super Bowl MVP who started for a team for a decade, kind of being kicked to the curb, traded away. And by the way, everyone remembers back to when Flacco arrived in Denver at the podium. He told the story. He didn't pick where he went he had he didn't he wasn't involved in that like Tim Tebow like John Elway allowed Tim Tebow to be involved in the trade decision uh, back in 2012 Joe Flacco got a call from Eric DaCosta the new GM in Baltimore and said hey uh, Joe yeah we we were on the phone right now with Denver Uh, we're about to trade you to Denver so and he was in the car riding with his wife Dana and excuse me the way he tells it they looked at each other and smiled he was happy that he knew he was going to be going somewhere he was happy that it was going to be Denver and we saw from Peyton Manning, now, you know, f- far be it from me to compare Flacco and Manning on, on most levels, but the one thing I'll say is, one thing they have in common is over 10 years starting with the same team, and they both won a Super Bowl, they were both a Super Bowl MVP when they arrived in Denver, Peyton Manning was pissed off the way it ended in Indianapolis, and you could tell he had that chip on his shoulder, which I think, Eric, as an emotional component, really helped fuel his prolific four years in Denver. I mean, he accomplished more in four years than most quarterbacks ever dream of in a 15-year career in the NFL if they're lucky enough to play that long. And so I think that that component, that emotional chip, you know, wanting to prove them wrong, wanting to prove the NFL wrong, that that could also be kind of a sneaky factor to help him get over the hump this year. Yeah, I agree. And I I do think that this offense can be a lot better. And I think that upgrading the quarterback position is going to be the big reason why because last year despite the offense being dead for the most part they had their flashes and that was with case keenum at quarterback and people can argue with the stats all they want you can turn on a case keenum game and you can turn on a joe flacco game side by side and you can see joe flacco is the better quarterback stats may be similar but it's obvious and there's one and it's a big reason why is because joe flacco makes you guard every single blade of grass yep you can't just cover one-third or two-thirds of the field. You have to cover every single part of it. And then talking about that emotion and that chip on his shoulder, there's no doubt about it. And Denver added to that chip when they drafted Drew Locke. Joe Joe Flacco didn't want to back up rookie rookie behind him, coming, gunning down, breathing down his neck. He wanted the job, and he's out there. He's fighting for the job. He wants that job, and he's going to keep fighting for it. And... We've seen how players have already started to gravitate towards him. We've heard Von Miller's comments about him and a couple other players' comments about him, about how there's this 
presence at quarterback now that they haven't really had. And all those factors in it are something that I really do think that this offense is going to be better. And if I was projecting my grades, I would actually probably put this grade a little bit higher. But as of right now, again, there's still, still so many concerns, though I do think that come a year from now, come after, come January after the season's over, I'm pretty confident that this grade would I'd actually raise it up. Okay, so there's the quarterbacks. Now, let's turn to the running back grade that Eric handed out. And this is really of the entire piece going through, I think it was 13 different positions, if, if you add them all up, that he graded. This is the only one that I really have any kind of meaningful disagreement with. He gave the running backs, Eric, you gave him a C plus. And some of your, well, I'll let you explain it, but before, before I serve it over to you, let me just set the stage that it's important to remember that even though the Broncos have a pro bowler at this position, right, an, an incumbent pro bowler, that pro bowler finished the season on injured reserve, and Royce Freeman, the next best running back on the roster, had a you know great start to his rookie campaign, but the second half down the stretch, he was a shell of himself because of that high ankle. And Devontae Booker, he had the best year of his career last year, not necessarily from a total stats perspective, but from a quality of, of production perspective. You know, he's going into a contract year. He's he's If you ended up having to rely on him because of injury, I'm not sure he's going to be like a Freeman or Lindsey that could carry your offense in any meaningful way. And then Devontae Jackson, uh, Kalfani Muhammad, two completely unknown quantities, both of which even more diminutive than Philip Lindsey. And then the fullback position... That's probably one thing you and I differ on a little bit, too, is even though I've been a guy in years past who's advocated for the Broncos to part ways with Andy Janovich because they don't utilize the fullback enough, so why carry a spot on the valuable 53? But if you are going to utilize the fullback in the offense as a weapon, Janovich can be dynamic, not just as a lead blocker, but I mean as a, as a guy who touches the ball. So just setting the stage for our listeners, you gave him a C plus. Go ahead and, and tell, tell everybody what your thought process was. Well, you actually hit the nail on the head for a lot of it. With Lindsey and Freeman, they're the top two backs. Freeman got had that injury last year. He wasn't the same afterwards. All word is that he's looking so much better than he was last year at this time. But until we see it in the game, we just don't know. Because I've seen it before that there's been great players in practice and stuff like that. But you put the pads on and they fall apart. Philip Lindsey, yep. we still haven't gotten him back. He's still working his way back from his recovery. I, do I think that he'll build on last year? I do. I think that it's going to be nothing but better. But until we see him play, until we see him get him in a uniform on the field, it's just a giant question mark. Devontae Booker, I think he's solid depth. But if those two top two guys get hurt, you're not going to want him carrying the load for him. Yep. Jackson and Muhammad, they're just two complete unknowns. And then Andy Janovich, he's actually kind of a reason why this grade is a C plus and not a C is because that he has had those flashes when he's been utilizing more than a just a pass blocking or a run blocking role. Right. But we haven't seen it to any kind of consistency. It's just been a play here and there that we've seen it. And so until I see more of it, it's, I'm kind of on that, taking that stand of I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. I mean, I want to see more consistency from it. Flashes are great. But you got to do it more often for that. And then George Aston, he's a rookie. So it just comes down to basically injuries, very questionable depth, and then Andy Janovich getting that consistency from him, just not even as a playmaker in general, but as a blocker too, because while he will have a 
tremendous block every now and then, he also has some whiffs, which I noted a couple times last year and just got ripped to shreds on it on Twitter about. Yeah. But just you got to be more consistent from that from that position if you're going to be the lead blocker or be used as a playmaker. And for all we know, the reason why he hasn't been used as a playmaker is because more consistently is because of the fact that he can do it every now and then, just not consistently. Yeah. I know Janovich, anytime you say anything that can be even possibly construed as negative, I mean, his name is sacrosanct in Broncos country. For some reason, that guy's got a golden reputation, even though, and maybe it's because, Eric, his first touch in the NFL he took to the house for like 32 <laughs> yards, you know, as a fullback. Maybe that's helping him. And, of course, the, the memes of the 22 Janos, you know, from Brock Olivo. But So let me ask you this, though. Would it be fair to say that had Philip Lindsay not finished the year on IR and had Royce Freeman not struggled with injury down the stretch, that this grade that you gave – a C plus to the running back fullback room would be significantly higher. Yes. If Phil Bunsey was able to finish the season, if Royce Freeman didn't have those struggles, then this grade, you're probably looking at probably a B plus, if not an A minus. Okay. All right. Let's move on here to wide receivers. Now I kind of took the wind out of yourselves on that last one. So I'll keep this one a little bit more brief as I set the stage, Eric, you gave the wide receivers a B minus. So a significantly better grade then the running backs. Now, here's what I'll say is you've got Emmanuel Sanders coming back, Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, all th- three of whom in their own way and to differing degrees emerged in 2018. Brendan Langley trying to make a transition to receiver, the six-round rookie, Juwan Winfrey, and then a slew of undrafted rookies and a, a trio of kind of futures-type veterans led by River Craycraft. So B-, minus. what was your thought process there? Basically, this was almost a C plus. It doesn't have the injuries like the running back position has, which is the only reason why it's just slightly higher. Emmanuel Sanders, he's the big injury for it. He might miss time. That impacted the grade quite a bit. And then Cortland Sutton, he showed a lot of promise last year. Can he build on that? Deshaun Hamilton, he showed promise. Tim Patrick, he showed promise, but they got to build on that. So, and then after that, it's just, question marks i mean is brendan langley gonna finally show up and be a more nuanced route runner that he needs to be instead of just a speed guy is Jawan winfrey gonna be show that progression in his rookie year to kind of have an impact potentially so a lot of question marks there was the grading between this and the running back was actually really close which with like just i think it was like two and a half points separating them and it just came down to the fact is that Emmanuel Sanders is this injury concern here, whereas the other one, you have the concern about uh, Lindsey and Freeman. And then the depth, I like the depth a little bit better at wide receiver, even though there's just as many question marks. Gotcha. I think it's pretty, I think actually it's a pretty fair grade, you know. And again, one thing fans need to keep in mind is Eric did not factor in potential into these grades. This was just based yep. on track record and cold hard facts, which include health and availability. So tight ends, let's move on here. And you gave the tight ends a C plus. Of course, you got the rookie first rounder that everyone's thrilled about, Noah Fant. And then a trio of, let's just call them veterans, because technically Troy Fumagalli was in the league for a year, um, who have struggled to stay healthy and are very much in that sense unknown quantities, followed up by an undrafted rookie and a futures-type guy in Bug Howard and Austin Fort, respectively. C-plus, Eric, what was your thought process here? 
I mean, you get that big playmaker in Noah Fant that Denver needed, and that right there, that helped out their grade a little bit because he brings something to them that they just didn't have. But the injuries of Jake Butt, Troy Fumagalli, and even Jeff Hireman's injury history, those all were a factor in it and is why their grade ended up being so low. Bug Howard and Austin Fort, it's kind of like the other guys that, I'll, that I've talked about. While it's great to see it in practice, you got to see it in the game. Injuries kept this grade low, but Noah Fant being that athletic tight end that Denver has not had since Julius Thomas is basically the only reason why this grade is a C plus and not lower. Okay. Now I'm going to move on here to the offensive line, and then we're going to take a really quick break. Now Eric went through and graded each group that tackles the guards, the centers, as opposed to the offensive line in one you know collective unit. So I'll just read through these very quickly. Tackles. Eric, you gave them a C minus. Offensive guards, a C, and then the centers, a D plus. Go ahead and explain your thoughts on the offensive line. Well, starting at tackle, it's basically Garrett Bowles has vastly underperformed. Maybe Mike Munchak is able to get more out of him, but his he's not he's not trending upwards. He's kind of trending downwards. And for a former first round pick, that's not good, especially starting at left tackle in the AFC West, which has some great pass rushers. So that's a huge concern there. Juwan James, he's missed quite a few games over over during his career. Maybe Denver can get more out of him, but he's an unknown. I mean, well, not an unknown, but it's the health factor. Right. Garrett Bowles, again, Mike Munchak, that's an unknown. And then for the life of me, I can't figure out who's going to be the swing tackle for this team because there's really no one that stands out. Yep. Chaz Green was better at guard, which – isn't saying much because he was awful there. You have <laughs> yeah. Elijah Wilkinson, who was better at guard, which he was actually pretty solid at guard, but he was awful at tackle. You've got Jake Rogers, who possibly may be the best of the bunch. I mean, he's the only one that's been a full-time tackle during his career, even though it's he's, what, hadn't been in the league for a couple of years or a year or something like that. Right. And then two undrafted, John LeGlue and Quinn Bailey, just completely... Uh, complete unknowns moving into guard the only reason why this is slightly better than tackle is because you have elijah wilkinson who performed better there don barclay who's a solid depth piece to have yeah you have Chaz green who well he wasn't great inside either he he was a little bit better you have ron leary who's always hurt rookie and dalton reisner you've got sam jones who nothing but positive stuff is being said about him that i've heard but until we see it on the field. Yeah. So close grades between tackle and guard, but it's just the fact that the backup tackles were better inside. So that's going to help boost their grade a little bit. And then for center, it's we have an unknown backing up Connor McGovern. How is Mon- Connor McGovern going to progress in his first year as a full-time starter at center? Last year when he played there, it was decent, but far from where do you want it to be for a full-time starter? So is he going to take the progressions forward? And I have a little bit of concern about his fit in the scheme as well. So that just kind of kept the grade being a little bit higher. Yeah. Well, again, if if we were to factor in potential, I think everyone's a little bit excited about what this unit could be, not just because of the addition of Mike Munchak and his assistant Chris Cooper, but, you know, Garrett Bowles working under a proven one of the top O-line coaches can that potential, that talent, be extracted and turned into a consistent product on the field? 
Dalton Reisner, who everyone's geeked up about. I mean, he's just a stud. Now, another thing is, you know, he was mostly a right tackle in college, and the Broncos immediately moved him inside, and not only inside, but to the other side, to the left guard position. You know, and then Juwan James, as exciting as, as he is in that contract they paid him, it was, you, you elucidate this in the article, only twice has he played all 16 games since entering the league as a first-round pick in 2014. And then to add insult to injury, pun intended, he tweaks his back or his hip, whatever it was, during OTAs. The Broncos hold him out of practice. Now, if it weren't for some of those questions, you know, maybe, maybe I feel a little bit differently. But even that being said, there's enough here, Ronald Leary included, you know, Connor McGovern included as a starting five with the factor of Mike Munchak arriving that can get me excited. The depth, though, Eric, there is, I mean, it is tenuous at best across the board. Yeah, I agree completely. Depth depth and health was the big reason, because if you're going to have a player like Ron Leary, who's in his two years has missed 15 games, you got to have good depth behind them and they don't. I really like the potential of the top, of the starting five under Mike Munchak coaching them the scheme. A lot of them being able to work in that very well. I have a lot of I have high hopes for this offensive line, but if one of them gets hurt, it's I'm almost like I almost want to say that the season's over if one of them gets hurt because <laughs> there is no depth there. Right. Yeah. I mean Barkley, I have a little bit of faith in. And even the Broncos, with Leary not being able to fully participate during team period, he was the starting right guard. I think that's kind of telegraphing that he's probably going to make the roster. Sam Jones, I, I wonder what the what the ultimate plan is for him in terms of the long term. But it'll be interesting to see how it all takes shape once training camp rolls around. They start hitting, the pads go on, they're popping each other. It will be interesting. But uh, that takes care of the offense. We're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to breeze through this the defensive side of the ball, cover special teams as well. In just a second. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Eric. So we've made it through the offensive side of the ball in terms of grades. Let's start with the trenches on the defensive side. The defensive line, one of the highest grades you handed out. In fact, only I think the second highest, actually, behind the next one we'll talk about. You gave the D-line a B plus. You got Adam Gotsis, you got Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris. That's your starting trio. What was your thought process on them receiving a B-plus and the second-highest collective grade on the team? Basically, it's you have a really good run defender in Adam Gotzes. You have Shelby Harris, who has shown progression each year. You have Derek Wolf, who is a good veteran, is solid getting after the quarterback, but really good against the run. So you have a good starting three. You have a good depth piece that's versatile in Zach Kerr. You got that interior pass rusher in Draymond Jones and – Demarcus Walker, well, I'm leaning towards that. He's a bust. Maybe it finally, you know, kicks on for him this year. And then the depth in general after that, it's pretty solid. I mean, Deshaun Williams, he was brought back brought back after really tearing it up last preseason, and I thought he'd make it. Mm-hmm. Billy Wynn was looking good when he was with the Broncos last time before he got hurt. Right. So there's good potential depth there. You've got a good starting four or a good starting three with a good piece to back them up. And you got that rookie pass rusher, which there's questions here, but it's not questions like other positions have where it's like, oh, no, if somebody gets hurt, what are they going to do? If somebody gets hurt among the starting three, I'm more than comfortable with the depth that they have on the defensive line. Yeah, fair enough. I do not disagree with anything you said there. Let's move to 
the highest graded position group here, the edge rushers, you gave them an A minus. Some fans might be surprised that for a tandem that totaled whatever it was, 26 and a half sacks last year, they didn't get an A plus. But what was your thought process on giving the A minus to Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and company? Well, Von Miller alone, like you don't need the depth or anything like that. He would be an A plus. But factoring in the depth, it's non-existent really it's just nothing but question marks you have a good special teamer who is okay getting after the quarterback in dakota watson then you have rookie justin hollins rookie malik reed rookie ahmad gooden then you've got aaron wallace and jeff holland who jeff holland maybe he takes the steps up that he needs to but until we see it who knows bradley chubb had a great rookie year is he going to be able to build on that so there was definitely question marks here but Vaughn Miller, he really carries his grade. Bradley Chubb, even though I, there's the question of will he build on it, he had a good enough rookie year to have some confidence in his play this year and being able to build on it. So those two, I mean, they're two really good pass rushers. In the case of Vaughn Miller, he's a star. So it's kind of unfair. I should have taken Vaughn Miller out of this and graded the rest <laughs> of them. But, uh, yeah, Vaughn Miller definitely carries his grade. Okay, let's move on here to the off-ball linebackers. Now, you gave this this group a C minus, and the only thing I'll say is any kind of bone to pick, and you do address this in the actual analysis aspect on this one. But the only bone I have to pick is that I think I, I can't fully disagree with you that it's an average to sub, you know, below average group as a, as as an inside linebacker group, but. I do think that we're going to see more from Todd Davis and Josie Jewell this year than we've seen in years past, simply by virtue of the trickle-down effect, no pun intended that time, of playing in Vic Fangio's scheme. What are your thoughts? If I was doing a projection, this grade would be a little bit higher. But it's not. It's based off of what we know. And what we know so far is that Todd Davis, he's a good run defender, good attacking between the tackles. But if you get him out in space or in coverage or anything like that, it's going to be problematic for the defense. Josie Jewell, not the athlete that you really want. He's he's better sideline to sideline. I mean, it's not like Todd Davis where if the run play gets outside of the tackles, he's kind of going to falter. Josie Jewell's good outside of the tackles, but in coverage, there's some issues. And last year, I don't know how many times I saw him biting on play fakes and biting on them horribly. And he doesn't have the athleticism to cover up for that. Yeah. Then Kayshawn Barrera, Alexander Johnson, and the other guys, I mean, there's not an athlete here. I mean, Justin Hollins and Dakota Watson and Malik Reed, they help bring some athleticism, but they're hybrids. Yep. And I threw them in with edges and not the linebackers, so that didn't help this grade at all. I really yeah. do think that the d- defensive scheme will help these linebackers, especially Davis and Jewel. But until we see it, it's just that whole thing. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. I mean, the depth. I'm a big fan. I, I, I'm like you know, top fan in the, in the Joe Jones fan club. I, I've, every time I've seen him on the field, I've just been impressed and watching the tape on his few opportunities to play on defense last year. I think there's some, there's more there as a former Northwestern product than, than has met the eye so far in his NFL career, but he's just going to have to find a way to earn more of an opportunity on defense. Mm-hmm. We'll see, but uh, let's jump here since we're running a little bit long, let's jump to cornerbacks. Now you gave this group a B minus and, with how much hype has followed this this new trio the Broncos have forged, some fans might question why it's a B minus and not higher. You know, Bryce Callahan, Kareem Jackson being added to Chris Harris Jr. as the ostensible, you know, three headed monster at cornerback. What was your thought process on the B minus? 
basically health. That's what it comes down to. Bryce Callahan has missed a lot of time over the last few years. Kareem Jackson, let's see, last year he played every single game, but the years before that, only other time he played ever in every all 16 games was his rookie year. I mean, he wasn't missing more than half the season. I think the worst season was he missed like six games, I think it was, was maybe seven. So he's always played more than half, but you got to be on the field to have your impact felt. Bryce Callahan, I can't – I don't think he's ever played a full season off the top of my head. I'm not 100% certain. So the two big signings, there's a lot of medical concerns for them. And while they're on, when they are on the field, it's great. Again, you got to be on the field to have your impact felt. Chris Harris is Chris Harris. Early last season, he kind of faltered a little bit, and there was definitely something off with his game. But whatever it was, it was fixed, and he was back and performing after. I think it was like week five is when the mistakes started to go. Just basically were gone. Behind them, the depth. Isaac Adam, I'm a big fan of his. I still am. But are we going to see the growth out of him that we need to? He showed promise last year, but it's about that growth. And Bosby, I I know he tore up the AAF, but the NFL's a whole different game. So is he going to be able to adjust? And will he be able to have an impact felt there? Again, all word is that it's great, but until we see it, I'm not going to believe it. For what it's worth, you're 100% right. He has missed Callahan at least three games in every year of his career. So that's a, a fair misgiving in terms of Cam Bryce Callahan playing all 16 and, you know, the whole avail- uh, availability is the best ability when it comes to the NFL. So, okay, let's move on here to the safeties, one of the higher-graded units as well. You gave them a B. You got Justin Simmons, Will Parks as your projected – I'm not saying you, but the expectation is Simmons and Parks will be the, the two starting safeties. We'll see how it plays out with Jackson, how the team ends up utilizing him from a starting perspective. But you gave him a B. Why do you seem to be so high on this particular unit? Basically, it's there's not quite the injury questions as there are with other groups. It's all basically questions of progression and consistency. Justin Simmons, he's had a lot of flashes of excellence, of greatness, and just those moments where it's like, what are you doing? Got to see more consistency from him. Will Parks, there's mental errors upon mental errors, but when it all clicks for him, Again, it's really good plays. Jamal Carter, last year he got hurt, which hurt this grade a little bit. But the year before that, when he was on the field, he was a positive impact on the defense. DeMonte Thomas, last year, towards the end of the season, really helped the defense in general and really had it was impactful. Sue Cravens, Jamarco Thomas, they're guys that I'm not sure make the roster this year but they could potentially be decent depth. I mean, Shamarco Thomas is a good special team safety, just not so much on the defensive side of the ball. And Trey Marshall, who really tore it up last preseason and looked great. It's just, are they going to grow? Yeah, That's all it comes down to. I also happen to be a big fan of what Trey Marshall showcased last year. And I was happy that they were able to hold on to him on the practice squad. And he might be, you know, it took, it, it took DeMonte Thomas a couple of years in the system to crack the 53, and, and maybe that's kind of the trajectory it'll take for Trey Marshall. But that rounds out the starting units on both sides of the ball. Well, I shouldn't just say the starting units. That rounds out all the units on offense and defense 
Last thing here, Eric, and then we'll get out of here, is special teams, who you gave a B, another relatively solid grade. What were your thoughts there? Basically, it's no injuries, and Brandon McManus, we're not going to see much growth from him. I mean, maybe we can see him get a little bit more consistent with his field goal kicking. The long snapper, he's great, but long snapper. I mean, it is a very important position, more important than people realize, but still, I mean – not going to see much improvement there. And the punter, he's the only one that's really the question mark. Is he? I mean, he started to really get more consistent as the season went on. Is he going to be able to build on that? So it's just a matter of what more can we get from them. I mean, right. The just, I mean, we can get a little bit better, obviously, but just, yeah, it's just. It's special teams. Like it's yeah. it's hard to grade in general. And it does kind I of mean, feel like they're all at their ceilings almost, you know? Yeah. And uh, basically it's um, you have a job to do and either you go do it or you don't. And if you don't do it, then you're gone. Like that's how it is with special teams. Well, it certainly will be really fun to see how it all takes shape this summer. And we're inching ever closer. I say this on every pod, but each day brings us one step closer to the Broncos hitting the field again. They're going to report for training camp rookies and vets July 17th. And then, of course, it all starts July 18th. And before you know it, the Hall of Fame game will be around. And the Broncos get five preseason games this year. So we're going to have a lot to analyze. But this has been a great episode, Eric. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate you being available for these podcasts this week. It's going to be a gas going through and breaking everything down. The next time Eric and I come back with you for Friday's episode, we're going to be going through and answering questions in a VIP mailbag. I put out a thread on MHH Insiders at milehighhuddle.com, the VIP uh, forum. So our VIPs, any questions you got, put them there for myself or Eric. It's been a while since you guys have had access to Eric on the pod. So any questions, put them there. Also, YouTube, Twitter, this time of year, we're, we're keeping the mailbag open to everybody. So any questions that you have, tweet us, comment on YouTube, and we will get to them on Friday's episode. But in the meantime, that's going to do it for today. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can find Eric on Twitter at Eric Trickle. That's E-R-I-C-K, Trickle, spelled T-R-I-C-K-E-L. Zach Kelberman, of course, who's not with us today. He's getting a much-needed vacation at Kelberman 24-7. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Tomorrow, you'll have a fresh episode of Building the Broncos, so stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, for Eric Trickle, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.